We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, USU, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hello, Datables. Welcome to another episode of the Datable Podcast. We are gearing towards the end of the year, end of our season, but it's not the end of this content or podcast. We're just, you know, refreshing new beginnings (laughs) in the new year, feeling good, feeling like I'm winding down. No, tis the season. The holidays are upon us. I'm so excited tonight. I'm going to the annual crab feed, which Uh, one of our mutual friends sent UA and I a photo from four I sent years that. ago. Oh, you sent that. I don't know why yeah. I thought she said that. It was a group text. You sent the photo from four years ago. Well, the, this was pre-COVID where where we'd be shoulder to shoulder, you know, getting drunk and sweating on each other, breathing on each other and being like, this is so much fun. <laughs> I just remember there was a guy at the crab feed. So for anyone, you know, this is, it's basically all you could eat crab Yes. And then it turns into a party. It's also open bar, so it gets real messy. And everyone smells like crab on the dance floor, too. So just the perfect (laughs) storm. And I just remember (laughs) you, our friend Kiana and I, we got really belligerent that night. Do you remember? It was real bad. And we like met up with some of our other friends after. They were just like, what happened to you guys? And this one guy that was at the crab feed was at this after party with us. And he kept like hitting on UA. And UA's like, he's gay. Like, it's not a problem. Like, he thinks we're just friends. And we're like, he is not gay. He's 100% hitting on you. And you're like, no. And then like, all of a sudden, he's like, coming in for the kiss or something. And you're like, wait, what? Maybe not that much. No, he... He'd like tried holding my hand at one point and I was like, how sweet. We're going to like hold hands yeah. and skip down the street, <laughs> you know, like friends. But then when you said that, I kind of just, no. I don't know, I was just so drunk. That was a night where at the after party, I was just standing there and I fell. I don't know what happened. I just 
fell to the ground. And our friend was like, what is wrong with you? Are you okay? Nothing. Nobody pushed me. I did not run into anything. I just stood and fell. Oh, the good old days. We've matured so much in four years. Well, how about we check in after tonight and let's see what happens. (laughs) I think I think I'm gonna be under control. I'm like getting over a cold too, so I'm gonna try not to go too crazy. And I also have five friends coming in tomorrow night, and they're all sleeping over at my house. We're having what? a giant sleepover party. It's gonna be fun pushing five people into a one bedroom apartment. So well, that's gonna be so much fun, though. It will be fun. We're going to a show also, um, and then doing like our annual holiday kind of get together, but. I love the holiday season. There's always so many fun things to do. Do you know who really loves the holiday season? It's freaking Europeans. Europeans love Christmas so much. Christmas markets are a big thing in Europe, and I didn't really understand how much people love Christmas. I think starting in November, there's just Christmas music blasting everywhere, like even in the public restrooms. You're just hearing Christmas music everywhere. People are drinking, you know, like mold wine. They're wearing funny Christmas hats and sweaters. <laughs> They're singing Christmas songs. It's just, it's like Christmas on steroids. That's how Europe felt like. And I'm so glad I was part of that because it made me feel like I believed in the magic of, of the holidays again. Yeah, I mean, I saw some of your photos on Instagram and I'm like, damn, you are transported into Winter Wonderland right now. You're into a Hallmark movie. It really, truly felt that way, except my mom and I got COVID. That was truly magical to happen in the middle of our trip. (laughs) COVID for the second time. That doesn't happen in the Hallmark movie? Well, maybe now, Hallmark movies. It's like, girl falls in love while on a holiday and her doctor, you know, saves her. Falls in love with her doctor. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Falls in love with the person who swabs her nose. It was a, a really magical time because my mom had, she had COVID for the first time and her symptoms were not nearly as bad as mine. Uh, she was like making me soup every day and she had energy. I had no energy. I still have this lingering cough. It's not fun and it affects everyone very differently. But for me, even the first time, I just had all the lingering effects of COVID. Like COVID itself wasn't that bad. It was just all the after yeah. You know, the shit that happens after. So that's not great. I'm recovering from that. I'm kind of glad that I had that experience with my mom. Is that weird to say? It just really brought us even closer. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm glad that you're recovering, but I'm also glad that your mom like had a fairly mild case. You know, I feel like I'm like still nervous for my parents to get it. They haven't had it yet, but it's always good to know older people. Like, I don't want to say older people, but you know, like, the generation of us. She's in her 70s. She's definitely older. This PC world. Yeah. You're like, she's okay with me. You saying that. Don't you worry. <laughs> Something that came up on my trip with my mom is she is, she's only been with my dad. She's only been with one person. She only knows this relationship mm-hmm. with my dad. And she's constantly curious about how younger people do relationships. And she says something to me while on this trip, and she's like, you are so privileged to be in the position where you can create any sort of relationship you want and 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 truly have the freedom to do that. And that's very much related to our episode here where mm-hmm. our guest Kim talks about this magical relationship that she's created with her partner that really works for the two of them. It may not work for other people, but it is so customized and personalized for them. 
Yeah, no, no one loves modern dating more than UA's mom. I feel like she understands the benefits. And, you know, it is something that we overlook of just this luxury we have to create the love lives we want and to design our own love lives. And Kim is the perfect example of this. I mean, she goes against, you know, all the things that you should do, how a relationship should progress to what works for her and her partner. And this theory of committed but not attached, that really stands out to me as something that, you know, I've, you kind of like see them more hand in hand. Like if you're going to go all in with someone, then you are attached to the outcome, you're attached to how this progresses. But I love the fact that she can stay committed, but also have this level of attachment, not in a way that puts her away from her partner. Like I think when we think of being not attached, we think of, you know, being avoidant or putting up walls, but she shows that you can kind of stay in the present, let things flow the way they are meant to be, but also very committed to making it work with someone. And, you know, I definitely struggle with this a lot of like, I think things are supposed to go a certain way. And I struggle with it in dating. And I still struggle with it in my relationship. I remember in dating, like if someone didn't text me back after a certain amount of time, or I didn't have, you know, a date lined up a third date in three weeks of knowing them, I felt like everything was off track. And it got like, I got really in my head about that. And I mean, I'm definitely facing the same with my current relationship of just, you know, hitting the milestones, what the expectations are. And it's a lot of like, consciously unlearning some of these patterns. And, you know, I think listening to this episode and having this conversation with Kim was really good for me to put it in perspective of, you know, ultimately, what you're looking for is this partner that you love, they love you, you feel seen, heard, you know, all the things. How do you like take that away from like the societal expectations of what you're supposed to do? And I don't know if we like fully answer it because everyone has their own needs and what they need in a relationship. But I think it's something that is a constant struggle of how do you let things develop organically, yet also keep in mind what you want in life. And I don't think it's a right or wrong approach, however you do it. But this was a good episode that reminded me that you could make those rules for yourself. Part of this conversation that resonated with me is how dangerous it is to to relate milestones to validation, to how your partner feels about you. And at times I felt like, oh, if we don't achieve this milestone, then it must mean my partner doesn't love me as much Mm, mm -hmm. that there you know that we are still working towards that ultimate love and that's not the truth you know milestones are really not connected to how your partner feels about you yet society tells us that is the ultimate form of validation so the dangerous path is something that we can highlight and at least be cognizant of it and when we can be aware of that path we're headed down, we can kind of course correct along the way. Yeah, I think the one thing, like, I mean, Kim addresses this, that she's in her mid-40s, she's kind of decided, like, she's decided she doesn't want to have kids. And I do think the kids card throws another wrench into a lot of this. Like, it's really hard with the biological clock and just the way you think about things. And I, I do want to kind of acknowledge that because I feel that pressure. And I know, like, other people out there 
do feel that. So that kind of does drive a lot of the progression and milestones. So again, it comes down to what is it that you really need in a partner? Like what is it society telling you versus like your own needs? And how do you get on that path? This conversation, there might be parts of it that you're like, this is not how I want to do a relationship. And that's fine. The the point is that that is how Kim and her partner want to do a relationship and it works for them. So find what works for you. I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like a lot of our conversations these days, we put the onus on the person who's trying to drive the relationship. Like, well, if you need to manage your own expectations and you need to make sure that you don't get hung up on these milestones. But as the other partner who is maybe a little bit behind or feeling like the pressure is there, it, it the onus is also on that person too to say, how can we make this work? It's not about yeah. your partner having to change their mindset for you, but it's like, how do you make this work as a partnership? And if if your partner is feeling that pressure, that biological clock ticking, then it's not It's not your position to say, well, just get over it or you need to change your mindset and, you know, it's fine. That's not a way a partner speaks to their (laughs) speaks to their love. Right. It's it's about how do we, again, make this work. So I'm glad I'm so glad you brought that up because the onus is on both people. Uh, I read this great quote is like in a partnership, you're half the problem and half the solution. So Mm -hmm. be part of the solution. Right. No, I think that you're 100% right is that we're just told to, you know, change our mindset. And that all that is is suppressing your needs. And as someone that suppressed my needs for many years, like that is the one thing I'm unwilling to do in a relationship. Like I'll compromise in other ways. Yeah, but suppressing my needs like I just can't do it anymore. Good, good. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. Because then if you're suppressing your needs, why be in this partnership? Right, <laughs> right, right. But yes, but I think the the point here is everyone has different needs. So really understanding what those needs are. And a lot of times, we don't even know our own needs. Like I think like you've said before, too, it's sometimes it's peeling back what you think you should like is the reason you want the milestone because of validation or is there a deeper need there and what is that deeper need half the work is even figuring out our needs like it's near impossible to communicate them if we don't even know what they are ourselves. Isn't that the truth? (laughs) Okay, well, we have so much to unwrap here. I'm staying in the holiday spirit. So if you want to give a gift to your friend this year, send them an episode of Dateable Podcast. This one, I think, you know, we had our editor said this was one of his favorite episodes that he's edited all season. So I'm going to move off myself saying that I have every single favorite episode and I'm going to go to other people because I know you, you always make fun of me that I say that every episode's my favorite. Wait, Stefan said this is his favorite episode? Yes. Really? Yes. This is his favorite one he's done. So this one really spoke to him. This one and he loved uh, the one with Alana Dunn that we did. Those were his two mm. favorites. But this one really spoke to him. And I, I hope it speaks to other people because it really spoke to you and I also. So sharing is caring. Send that gift. Also, if you want to leave us a gift, five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Yes. We are over the 600 mark. Thank you for all 
the folks that have left those reviews help us get to 1k that is our goal 1k reviews 1k 1k we know there are so many more of you out there listening like we know it we see our numbers we know the instrumental volumes above the the 600 even and even 1k so let's get those reviews we also know that no one likes to write reviews i personally feel like unless i hate something or someone has beaten the dead horse and kept telling me to write the review i won't do it because you know we don't think about it not no shame and no hate there like that's just normal so do us a favor if you love dateable podcasts if you want to give you a and i a gift it's all you gotta do it's free thank you <laughs> happy holidays happy holidays okay there you go and you know another gift you could do that's a gift for us and for you follow us on instagram at dateable podcast mm. if you're on tiktok we are trying to grow our tiktok following slowly but surely we are growing that tiktok following so at dateable podcast don't make fun of us that it's very low right now but help us help us get to the other side <laughs> of a larger tiktok following <laughs> okay before we get into it let's hear a message from our sponsor This episode is made possible by Rakuten Kobo. Imagine having your favorite bookstore with you wherever you go, or being able to access over 6 million titles at all times. Download the free Kobo app or read through one of their innovative e-readers, shop the always open Kobo e-bookstore, and easily integrate the power of reading into your everyday. With Kobo Plus, an all-you-can-read e-book subscription, you can grow your library by adding as many titles as you like from the Kobo Plus Read catalog, all for one low price every month. You have access to all different types of genres, with recognizable titles such as The Duke and the Last by Jesse Clever, Only One Mistake by Natasha Madison, The Baker's Creek Brothers by Claudia Burgau, and Sexy Nerd by Kaylee Loring. Try Kobo now, free for 30 days. Just visit Kobo.com to get started. That's K-O-B-O.com. Okay, let's hear it from Kim. At some point in our lives, and I hope for all of us, we enter into a game-changing relationship. And that's just one of those relationships that changes your life trajectory, your outlook, your perspective on love. And our guest today, Kim, is going to tell us about this game-changing relationship she's curling in, which she's also saying is the best relationship she's had in her life. <laughs> yes. Which is saying something, by the way, because I am in my like mid-40s. So I've been, yeah, I've had some life. So, But yes, this is the best relationship I've <laughs> ever been in. I want to get into that because we do have listeners in our community who are like, does dating get better in your 40s? Does dating get better in your 50s? Should I just give up by now? Mm -hmm. And I think this is your proof. I'm proof that things can get better. I think they do get better with age. Even if you are with someone, your relationship improves as you get older and wiser. So who is Kim? She's in her mid-40s, as she said. She's from San Francisco, been there for 15 years, originally from Santa Cruz, and she's in a monogamous relationship. That's the best relationship <laughs> of her life. This I love that you very... filled that in. Yeah, <laughs> she wrote that verbatim. This relationship has been a game changer for you to feel secure. Both of you have established boundaries, and both of you also prioritize self-care. So let's 
dig right into that, Kim. How long have you two been together? Almost five years. And how did you two meet? We met at a game night hosted by mutual friends. Okay. Yeah. So we met maybe six years ago or so, and we both attended this game night in San Francisco that some friends hosted, and we met there. Oh, what were some of your first impressions of him? Well, you know, I thought, oh, like, who's that guy? <laughs> he looks cute. I think I want to, you know, know what he's about. And we initially talked, and I think we connected on Facebook. So we sort of stayed connected after that event. Several months later, I saw him post something on Facebook, and I thought, oh, he's also a really good writer. And mm. just from what he was sharing, I thought, oh, it sounds like something that just really caught my eye about what he was sharing. And so I reached out to him and just reignited a conversation and it kind of went from there. And is he also in his 40s too? Or is he younger, older? That is such an excellent question. He is in his 30s. Okay. Okay. I was going to ask because did uh -huh. he find you? I hate saying later in life because like 40s is not even later in life, but you know what we right. mean. Right. It's all relative. So, <laughs> it's all yeah. relative. Yes. I am 11 years older. Well, you know why we say, I realize, and I'm going to bring this back to something very philosophical, is that we talk about dating in your 40s as later in life because life expectancy was like 50, 60 back then. Right. So you would say, oh, dating your 40s is later in life. But as we live longer, dating your 40s is no longer <laughs> later in life. We almost have to shift our mindset around that. I would also argue like dating your 40s, you almost have to be more intentional in the way you date because this is like when so many life learnings come together and there's a crossroad. So it's like you either use those learnings in a relationship or you don't. And this is like the time to do it. So just saying something very <laughs> yeah. there. Well, and I would say it's kind of a yes and because I think everyone has their own unique life path. And some folks encounter challenges or life experiences earlier that really changes the way they think about who they are and what's important to them in their relationships. So I think it's interesting to also realize a great relationship can happen truly at any time. Yeah. And what I found in my experience was just that by the time that I met my partner, I was in a place where I had learned just more about myself, like my life journey had shaped me in some significant ways, and his had shaped him as well. And we just ended up connecting and meeting at a time where it just, I think the timing was just quite perfect mm. for us to really connect and create the relationship that we have now. Yeah, that's what I want to ask you. Like, where were you? You say like, this is, you know, the best relationship of my life. I've never felt so happy and secure. What was your kind of relationship with relationships before this partner? <laughs> I almost don't <laughs> even remember. It's so different. But what I remember was when he and I started seeing each other, there was this just kind of this sense of something here feels different. Mm -hmm. So that first of all, and it took me a, a while, I think, to understand what that was. And what I started to notice was, oh, I actually, I kind of like myself more when I'm with him. Mm. I'm showing up for myself and in my own life in a way that feels really good. And I think part of it was just the chemistry, but part of it was you know, what we each brought to it was this sense of, oh, I actually just want to know who you are as a person. And I think what I did not understand earlier was I was, you know, had a very strong perfectionist streak, a very strong people pleasing mm. streak. Mm -hmm. And so I was in the mindset, 
in my 20s and 30s, I was thinking of relationships more like, who do I need to be in order to make this work? Yes. Yeah. Right? Yes. And that is really hard to build any kind of sustainable, really connected relationship on because I was always, in a way, kind of trying to perform what I thought mm-hmm. a relationship was supposed to be and not really tuning in. You're fitting in a role that you think someone wants mm-hmm. you to play. Yes. And I'm casting them in the role that I think I want them <laughs> yes. to play. Yes. Yes. So, and I didn't realize it at the time. I think that's one of the things that can be difficult that we learn as we go is what does it really mean to lean into trusting who you are as a person? And it sounds so cliche, but it is really true. You want to connect with someone who really wants to connect with you, Mm -hmm. not with the image you're trying to portray of who you think you're supposed to be. I was trying to explain this to my partner the other day, and I feel like you've articulated it way better. It's that this feeling that you were supposed to, this role that you were supposed to play, and I feel like you can just, I'm just with a friend, like a best friend, like not that like we don't have the chemistry because we do, but I just feel like myself and enjoying the company of another person where before I was kind of like, well, this is how a relationship relationship is supposed to be like, this is what it means. And it was very structured almost. And I think some of that came from just society, maybe the culture that we've been raised in. Like, do you have any thoughts of kind of like what gave you that feeling that this is how a relationship should be? And then you realize like, no, it's actually this way. For me, I think part of it was also this mindset of just be happy with what you have don't ask Mm. for more, don't ask for much. And I should just be happy that somebody wants to be with me. Mm. At the time, I didn't really see that as being very low self-value or a sense of low self-worth. That just felt normal to me. Just this kind of underlying sense of, I should just be happy that somebody wants to be with me, which also is a really... terrible foundation for a relationship. But that's what I knew and that's where I was coming from. I think there are a lot of ways that all humans can internalize a sense of low self-worth or a sense of don't ask for more, just be happy, make do with what you can. Mm. I think there are so many different ways that we can internalize and absorb those ideas. And it's just really nice to know that if you feel stuck in that pattern and you feel like, huh, like, why is this not working? It's probably just because of the way you're thinking about yourself and what you think a relationship is and realizing it actually can be amazing and maybe in ways that you hadn't realized. What is the pivotal point for you, though? Where did the shift happen? Because, yes, we can say your partner was able to bring out the best in you and he (laughs) was able to treat you Mm -hmm. the way that you deserve to be treated. But there has to be a side of you that's willing to accept a person like that, too. So what was the shift (laughs) that you made? What what was the catapult (laughs) for this? There have been a few. I will say, too, like, you know, relationships are dynamic. And so one of the other things that's been really interesting in this relationship, I feel like we came to it from this perspective of, I think you're amazing. And I can't wait to see who you become, Mm. like, as I continue to know you. Mm. And I felt that like this sort of really warm encouragement for my growth. And I felt that for him, like an enthusiasm for who he is and what he's doing. So there's kind of a mutual dynamic piece. One of the very first sort of light bulbs, turning points for me in our relationship was we had been seeing each other for 
maybe three months or so, three or four months, so not terribly long. And he had planned to go on this four-month trip overseas. And he was really excited about it. It was a really big deal. And I felt panic. Mm. What if he leaves on this trip and then he doesn't want to be with me anymore? What if he meets somebody else when he's gone? What if he realizes that traveling around the world is a lot more fun than being in a relationship with me and Mm -hmm. he goes away? So I was excited for him because I knew this was meaningful, but I also was feeling this sense of unease for myself. And we were talking about this one day and he said, you know, you could come visit me. (laughs) Like... I'm just going to be in Thailand. You could come hang out, you know? And I thought, oh, really? Like you would want that? (laughs) You'd want me to come visit you while you're traveling? He's like, yes. So that was the first part. The second part then is I went ahead and I booked my flights and I still was feeling that same uncertainty and worry and anxiety. And I was telling him, okay, I've booked my flights. I'll be there in June. And you know what? When I get there, if you've decided you don't want to spend time with me anymore, that's fine. I'll just book a hotel oh. someplace else. We don't even have to oh hang out. Gosh. Like, it'll be fine. And he kind of looked at me. And I, and I <laughs> thought, huh. I guess I'm kind of controlling, (laughs) like I'm trying to totally micromanage this situation. And he kind of smiled and he said, yeah, I was wondering if you were going to notice that. (laughs) And I realized, I'm like, oh, I've been so used to being kind of guarded and kind of trying to Mm. protect and control what's happening. I'm actually taking this in a completely unnecessary direction. Mm. We've seen a lot of people do that. I think you (laughs) and I have both done that as well. It's almost like you don't want to be disappointed. I could see for you with this trip. It's like, I don't want him to go realize he's better off without me or whatever. (laughs) So I'm just going to make the decision easy. And then it was me that said it. I controlled the narrative. But then you have to think and be like, is that actually what I want? And is this what this person even wants? (laughs) Yeah. And it's like this really extreme kind of self-reliance that is coming from this place of, oh, you know, I don't want to be hurt, but it ends up creating distance, right? It ends up eliminating or undermining a sense of trust and together because I've kind of unilaterally decided that there's a risk and I'm not going to build a wall to protect myself, Mm -hmm. right? So I give a lot of credit to him for being just really present yes. and kind of being like, this is really interesting, Kim. Like, it's really interesting <laughs> that you're going there, right? And then for me in that moment to realize, like, what am I saying? Where is this coming from? What is going on here? I think the key there for your partner and why you two were able to work through this is because I get this analogy of like, if someone holds up a wall, it's different than holding up a mirror. And I think for some people, like in some of my previous relationships, if I were to do this, they will hold up a wall, which just like hard hitting. (laughs) What are you talking about? That's so weird. Like, why are you even saying that? Versus him, he gave you space to reflect. So he's holding up a mirror. He's not judging the moment. Mm. He's just letting you take up space and just say it out loud. And then you were able to reflect it back. I think that's like a very key understanding from him. Yes, And he, so much credit to him. He's such an amazing listener. And he's also the kind Mm. of person when, if I see him and he says, you know, how are you doing? How was your day? And I say, I have so much emotions right now. 
Like, mm. I have all these emotions. He'll say, oh, okay. You know, do you want to talk about them? And I'll share them and I'll say, oh, that sounds really hard. But he doesn't get into, like, he's just so good at holding the space and listening, right? Yes. And just being like, yeah, you're a human and you have some feelings. And that is a really normal human thing, which I love about the way that we communicate and the way that we are together. I think a big part of it is finding the right partner. Absolutely. Because you could only do so much self-work on your own. A lot of it is relational work. Mm -hmm. But also there is another side of like, you need to be the person that you want to attract. Like for you to even attract him in the first place, like there must have been some revelations and work that you did prior. Like, can you think back to any of that? Or was it really just once I got in this relationship, he helped me grow? No, I would say there were (laughs) decades, (laughs) like decades of preliminary work. And for me in my journey, that really was anchored in my mindfulness and meditation practice, which is really the practice of coming to stillness and noticing where is my mind going? What emotions am I feeling? And what are the stories I'm creating about all of that? Like that's in essence what we do in meditation. That's what mindfulness is. So because I had done so much of that, I was able to see things in a different way. It was just now bringing that skill into this context with a highly compatible partner who also was really into communication skills, who really Mm. knew for himself how much space he needed in order to be a happy human so that we could then talk about that and not have it be assumed or actually let me give you like a very specific story please so when we first started getting together too i was the partner who texted the most i would text him all the time Mm. how are you thinking of you i saw this thing and i thought of you like that was me and i was also the person who would text and say so when are you free when can i see you do you want to hang out do you want to do this (laughs) together Like that was me. And he was more responsive, but sometimes would not respond every time. And when I began to notice this sort of difference in the way that we were with texting, I thought, oh, I should probably say something just to be really clear about expectations. And I told him, just because I text you, I'm not expecting you to reply every single time. Only reply if you want to. It just means I'm excited to see you, but it's okay if you don't respond back. And he said, oh, I'm really glad to hear you say that because I think about you all the time, but I don't always text you. And I was feeling guilty. Oh, like I wasn't showing up for you. And then like the real sort of moment came where he then didn't respond for like three days. (gasps) Didn't hear from him. And I was like, he's taking care of himself. He's got something going on. It's fine. Like, I'm not worried about this. Three days later, he texts me and he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm a terrible person. I just got overwhelmed. I'm like, oh, I'm actually fine. Like, I haven't been thinking mean things about you. I just figured you've got something going on. And so it was a way of creating safety for him, safety for me by naming, oh, I am the partner who will text a lot. Mm. You don't have to text back if that's not your style. It's okay. We can still be good. I have never uh, heard of someone approach it this no. way in our seven <laughs> no. years of doing this. This is a dateable first. No. But I love it. And there is this sense of like, 
confidence, security, all of that that's going into this instead of this, why aren't you texting me? I'm freaking out. Yes. This relationship is over. How did you get to that place of being like, yeah, I'm going to be okay with whatever happens, happens? Oh, yeah. So part of it is boundaries. And boundaries is like the agreement we create with ourselves and then the ability and willingness to communicate that without expectation, just like, hey, just so you know, this is what I do to keep me like happy, safe, and comfy. And you probably have something that you do to keep you happy, safe, and comfy. So let's just talk about that so that we know. And the other thing is what I've come to understand as generosity of spirit. Mm -hmm. So generosity of spirit, if I don't hear from him, I don't assume it's because he's mad at me or he stopped being interested. I assume, oh, he must have something going on right now. Oh. Maybe he's overwhelmed. Maybe he's like mm -hmm. working really hard on a thing. Maybe he's out with his friends. And I love that because I want him to be a happy, healthy human with other humans. And so the sense of generosity of spirit. And I found that with us, that is never taken for granted. Like we always show up to our relationship and to ourselves with so much care and respect. Even even if I say, hey, do you want to come over tonight? And he says, you know what? I feel like I need solitude. So I am a gentle no, but thank you. And I love that you oh, invited me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. You're almost five years into your relationship. Is this still this like texting discrepancy between you two? Is this something that's still happening? I think it's a lot more even now. Okay. Yeah. I'd have to look at the data to be sure. But I, I think we are now much more at parity where we probably text each other about the same. I think what's so hard for me to absorb about this is that in the beginning, anxiety is high. So if someone doesn't text you back for three days, I mean, what the advice we've been giving is let them know your boundaries, let them know your expectations, let them know your needs and find someone who will meet you. Yeah. But you're saying you have to create that trust and safety so that when you say I'm trust falling right now and I'm trusting that you're going to catch me. That's what that is. But it's slightly different because I'm not trust falling to him. I'm like trust falling to me, knowing that he's mm. trust falling to him. It's such a perspective shift. I like it, though. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you another one. So this also okay. happened while he was traveling. He was, you know, he was gone for four months. And as I was thinking about us after I came back from visiting him, I thought, you know, I'm, I really want to talk with him about what does a good relationship look like for him? Right. Mm. Like something mm -hmm. thinking about what does a good relationship look like for me? So I messaged him and I said, hey, when you get back from your travels, I would like to have a conversation with you about relationships. And he read that as I want to have a talk about our relationship. And it freaked him out, mm. put him into an anxiety spiral. Mm. And he didn't write back for like three days. Like he thought you were breaking up with him or something? No, no, no. No, <laughs> oh, not that just... it was a breakup, but okay. it was he thought it was like, Let's have a conversation about us and where we're going. Yeah. Next steps. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And for me, I wasn't coming from that place. But what was so funny was we made plans to have dinner and have this conversation. And he sat down and he looked at me and he's like, okay, so like, what do you want? <laughs> like it was this negotiation, oh. right? Oh. And I was like, oh, oh, no, no, no. I just know that you've been in some relationships in your life and I have too. And I've learned things about what I'm looking for and kind of how I like to be in relationships. And I'm really curious kind of what that looks like for you. And I want to tell you what that looks like for me just so that we know. And he was like, oh, I did not know this kind of conversation could be expansive. <laughs> 
and filled with curiosity. I'm like, yeah, like I'm not here to negotiate like exclusivity or anything like that. I just want to know what's a good relationship look like for you? I mean, how mind blowing, because it just shows that we, our minds fill in the blanks with what we know from the past. Mm -hmm. So he's probably like, oh, been here, done that. You know, have have had this conversation before and his mind already filled in what to expect. But you brought something very refreshing. And it seems like why this relationship really took off in the beginning is that you two brought a fresh perspective to each other where you don't have, your mind can't fill in the blanks (laughs) because you're like, wow, I've never actually encountered this kind of reception before. So that is very fascinating. Where do you think he learned these communication skills? I can't speak for him, but I will say that I think as humans, we learn communication skills by default, and then we learn them by intention whether that's through classes or books or coaching or therapy or whatever. He was just on a life path where he started with the default communication skills that he learned. And then as he got older and went through other relationships and, you know, he's a reflective soul. So as he was thinking about himself Mm -hmm. and his life, he also then got very intentional about how do I want to do boundaries and communicate and like, what is that going to look like? So I think it's great to actually be with someone who understands that communication Communicating is a thing you can learn and it can actually be fun (laughs) and make things good. So I love this whole like mindset of we both have our own relationship needs. We have our own personal needs, like the texting example. Mm -hmm. But I can hear our listeners saying, how do I know this person's worth investing in still? Oh, yeah. Like, how do I know that, you know, Mm -hmm. they're not texting me for three days means that they don't want anything to do with me. They have other people on the side versus (laughs) I need space to just be myself, right? Yeah. I'm sure he gave you some signs that like he, like, you know, like I'm sure there was something that kept (laughs) you trusting. What was that? Yes. I feel like there are lots of indicators based on how people behave that can tell us how this person behaves. When I was visiting him in Thailand, when we were still, you know, it was within the first six months of us being together. One of the things that was really interesting was on the plane, I got a cold. So when I arrived in Thailand, I actually started to not feel good, didn't have Mm. a lot of energy, was just lying on the couch, feeling sad for myself because Mm. I couldn't be active. And you know what he did? He made me chicken soup from scratch. He went to the grocery Mm. store, he bought chicken and ingredients, and he made me soup. And when I think about it now, I think, oh, I think that was really valuable for me because it required me to be in a position where I really needed help. I really needed to lean on somebody and not be that ferociously independent person. Yes. And it allowed him to really show his skill and care and like show off a little bit. Like, I just made you this amazing chicken soup. Like, I am a capable, (laughs) (laughs) skillful man. It really allowed me to receive that level of care. And it invited him to show up in that way. So I think there are always with generosity of spirit, but also look for the behaviors and also ask questions, ask questions about what things mean. So for example, when we were back in San Francisco and let's say I stayed there for the weekend or, you know, like for a Saturday night, woke up on Sunday thinking, oh, I have nothing to do all Sunday. Let's hang out all day. And at some point he would say, so what else are you going to do today? (laughs) And that was actually like what I came to realize was, oh, when he's with me, he's really giving all of his attention to me. 
And there are things that he would also like to do that he doesn't do when he's with me. Listen to a podcast or play a video game or do things that he wants to do. So it's not that he doesn't want to spend time with me. It's that he also wants to do things that don't include me. And he's trying Mm. to be as gentle and kind and loving as he can to claim the space that he needs. Hmm. So is that like kind of mm-hmm. today, five years later, like do you, are you two still very like independent or interdependent or do you feel like, oh, it's just a given, like, you know, all weekend we're going to hang out? We have a really beautiful interdependence, I would say. So we have some established like patterns and practices that work really well for us. We do not live together. Okay. That works so well for us Mm, to have separate places. Okay. I want to hear about that more. (laughs) Yes. It's fantastic. And we just have a really lovely way of being together. Because you found a way that works for you. But I guess we're very curious, Mm -hmm. what is it that works for you right now? Yeah, we are really both good at having the space that we want that feels good to us. We are really good at being caring and loving towards each other in the ways that feel good to us. So for example, he cooks. He's a wonderful cook. I don't cook. So when we're at his place and he's cooking, he makes dinner and it's wonderful. When we're hanging out and I'm not cooking, I will get pizza from our favorite pizza place. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So we find ways to show up for one another. And that's like an active practice. Like the way to think about it too is I feel this both like from him and also from me. We're very mindful to not take each other for granted. Mm -hmm. That's huge. We actively appreciate each other. I think that's easier to do when you don't live together. It's a different Mm -hmm. relationship when you're sharing the household. Do you see yourself ever living together or are you both kind of in this camp of we don't want to do that? We totally could. And the fun thing is I think about like, what is the kind of place we'd have to live in Mm. in order to make this work? What would that look like? There's no sense of feeling rushed or hurried about it. And I'm really comfortable with how we've organized ourselves. Okay, I'm taking this in. I'm taking this in a little bit because I'm so used to a default setting in a relationship. And I think that's what makes me feel secure is the default. It's like knowing that I'm going to see my partner this weekend Mm -hmm. because that's what we do. But in your scenario, what works is that everything is an intention so that you have to invite each other to each other's homes. You have to invite each other to hang out. There's more of that effort being made. So you don't have this default setting, which I really love. Or you've created your own defaults. That's the other way to look at it. That's exactly it. Right. And what are those defaults you've created? It's as simple as, oh, so what's your schedule like this week? Mm. When do you want to hang out? Do you want to be at your place or my place? And I will say too, with the pandemic, it was wonderful having two places because sometimes you just wanted to get out of the house and have a change of scene. So, you know, early (laughs) pandemic, it was such a lifesaver to have this other safe place to go to. So yeah, so our, our defaults are like, we always make time for each other. We have the things that we like to do do together, whether we're watching a certain series, like a show that we only watch together, not like separately. It's really simple stuff. We love doing the crossword puzzle together. So we'll do crossword (laughs) in the morning. It's really sweet. How often do you guys see each other? Like on a given week? It depends. That's the thing too, is it varies. Mm. And there's also, we'll be together a couple of times a week and then we have text or FaceTime or 
He's really good at sending me cute animal TikToks. <laughs> I am not on TikTok, but he is. So he sends me the very best of cute animal TikTok. There is a real sense of being present with each other, yeah. even when we're not under the same roof. The reason I ask is like we hear a lot of daters in our community say, okay, I live this single life. I can't just imagine all of a sudden spending seven days a week with someone. That's totally mm -hmm. overwhelming to me. Would you describe both of you as needing a lot of personal space, highly independent? Like what was your take before being in a relationship on this and how has that changed? I think it's true that I have never cohabitated with a person. That's just not a thing mm. that I have done. So that wasn't normal okay. to me. That was a thing that I know other people do. I mean, I have had roommates, but I have not shared a household with a romantic partner mm -hmm. where it was just the two of us living together. And so I don't think of myself as a person who needs a lot of, I just think of myself as a person who needs what she needs mm. and it is this really interesting sense of feeling very connected, very present. Thinking about him often, it always makes me smile. It always feels like his goodwill and his presence and his kindness and his heart are so on my side. He's one of my greatest cheerleaders and champions. Feeling that the amount of time that we spend like in the same physical proximity, it feels good. We can dial it up, we can dial it down, but as it stands, this just works beautifully for us. So I guess I would say like for listeners, you can design mm -hmm. a relationship to fit and you might not know what that looks like until you're creating it with another human being. Right, right. Let's hold that thought for a quick message. This episode is sponsored by Via. We all know there are things that can help set the mood in the bedroom, but did you know a little THC could also do that? Yes, Via has developed a unique blend of pleasure-enhancing cannabinoids, libido-strengthening herbs, and a low dose of THC all into one mind-blowing gummy called High Love. This gummy, wow, it will awaken your senses, increase blood flow, and intensify any sexual experience. I've been pleasantly surprised by the high I love gummies because it is just the right amount of THC for me to have a good time without feeling sleepy. And hey, if THC is not your thing, Via also offers a wide array of other gummies without it. And everything legally ships in 50 states with discreet packaging directly to your door. So if you're over 21, you can get 15% off and a free pack of award-winning Dreams THC plus CBN sleep gummies with our exclusive code DATEABLE at ViaHemp.com. That's V-I-I-A-H-E-M-P. Com. Let the gummies work their magic. Head to viahemp.com and use the code DATEABLE to receive 15% off and one free sample of their sleepy dream gummies. That's viahemp.com and use the code D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E at checkout. Take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from Via Hemp. We are so excited to share with you our new podcast exit interview. Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. 
and feedback that will make you swoon. But she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There are some parallels to open relationships, I would say, because I think this brings up the same kind of anxiety I would have in an open relationship, which is like there's no default setting. You're not spending all of your time together. And sometimes you could be misaligned in how you want to spend your time. So I want to ask you kind of a petty question is like, what would happen and has this ever happened where you really want to spend, let's say, a weekend with him and he's already made plans with his friends and he cannot make the time for you that weekend? That very rarely happens in part because okay. there are some things we like to do that we don't necessarily like to do together. So he loves going to live music. I don't. I'm like, it's loud. It's crowded. It's late. Like, go have fun with your friends and tell me all about <laughs> it when you get back. For me, I want to get up early, go on a hike. He's like, have fun, take pictures, and tell me. How. He's like, I love that for you. Tell me how it is. I would say the only time where I felt a sense of like, oh, like, don't you want to be with me at this thing that I want you to be with me at mm-hmm. was early in our relationship around the holidays. Mm. Don't you want to come with me to be with my family at this family thing? And there were times when he was, I'm a gentle and loving no, but send everyone my best. Oh, And it's interesting because there were times where it felt like, Okay, I thought having a boyfriend meant I would always have a date to these stressful right. family yeah. things. Yeah. But what I've come to appreciate, number one, is it is okay for me to be disappointed sometimes. It is mm. okay for me to not get mm-hmm. everything I want in the way that I want it. And the same for him. Because what we get in exchange is we get this other level of honesty and connection and trust. And it's so funny because years later, he came with me to this event. And at one point I was feeling like the event was not going well. And I told him, I am so sorry that I brought you to this event. And he said, oh, I'm fine. I don't do anything I don't want to do. So I'm here because I want to be here. Mm. And I was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Because he has great boundaries. And related to that, because again, it's like if he is saying no, it is because he is taking care of himself. And I have so much respect for that. If he wants to stay home and play video games, because that is his thing, there is no guilt. There is no blame. There is nothing but love that that is your thing. Have an amazing time doing that. I'm going to go do this and I'll tell you about it later. It changes the relationship when you kind of unhook the expectation that being in a partnership means that now you automatically get a buddy to go with you to Mm -hmm. all the things. Interesting. And you know, I mean, part of why we wanted you on this podcast, like we've been Facebook (laughs) friends for years and we discovered earlier, UA and I met at Kim's workout class (laughs) nine years ago, but we've been friends for a long time. And your posts about your relationship always catch my attention because I love your perspective is so fresh. It's so different. And you've talked about before this feeling of committed, Mm -hmm. but not attached. Yeah. Can you kind of go into what that means a little more? Because I'm starting to connect it with some of the stuff you're saying. Yeah. So attached is when there's a certain way we want things to go. And if they don't go that way, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. Things need to go this certain way in order for me to be okay. Committed is more like I am here for an amazing relationship that feels good and that makes both of us better. And that can actually play out a lot of different ways. 
it takes the pressure off and it also takes the judgment off, but it keeps the discernment and the, the presence and connection on. So for example, maybe a year or two into our relationship, I was feeling the insecurity flare up again. Mm-hmm. The insecurity was flaring up around our age difference, right? I'm like, I'm older. I am not having children. That is not a thing I'm ever going to do. He is still in his 30s. Maybe he's going to want kids Mm -hmm. one day. Mm -hmm. Maybe one day he'll wake up and he'll just say, I want to be with someone who is not you. Like, I want to be with somebody different. That was the base fear. Not because of anything he ever did or said. That was my personal fear story. And I brought my personal fear story into this relationship because that is what we do as people, right? Yeah. And I remember. (laughs) we had this conversation and I said, I want to share with you my biggest fear. And it's the fear that one day you're going to wake up and you're not going to want to be with me and you're going to go away. And he kind of paused and said, wow, thank you for telling me. Like that's nowhere in my mind (laughs) right now. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But listen, if that happens one day, because it could, Mm -hmm. we can't predict the future. It could happen. I decided that if that happened one day, it would be okay because everything that I'm learning in this relationship, this is now my new standard. I will never Mm. be in a relationship that doesn't feel as good and healthy as this one. And all of a sudden what that did was it took the pressure off him because now I wasn't looking to him to reassure me Mm. that he would always be there. It was really this sense of, you know, I think you're amazing. I think I want to be with you for a really long time, maybe always. But it's possible that one day that will change and it'll be okay. I will be sad. But I will be okay because this is now the standard. And this relationship, everything that makes this relationship great, it doesn't live in him. Meaning that Mm -hmm. if he goes away, all the awesomeness I can never have again. It's like, no, no. This is something that we're creating. This is my new standard. This is just how I do relationships now forever, whether it's with you or somebody else. Yes. I love that so much. So that's committed, right? You. Not attached. <laughs> yeah. It does. It frees me and it frees him. And there's so much more that you can create when both people feel free. And that's the weird thing for me. I found I feel so secure and so free, even though mm. I feel absolutely like settled and connected and like with this person. Mm-hmm. It's about being intentional with Mm -hmm. each other. We often hear this phrase, relationships are all about compromise. (laughs) Kim, I love to hear from you, your thoughts on that phrase. And do you believe you two compromise in your relationship? I have never thought of our relationship in terms of compromise. Mm. I would say it this way, relationships are about decisions. Mm. So you're always making decisions. You're always making decisions. And I think for us, Well, I won't speak for him. I'll speak for myself. The decisions that I've made in my relationship with him, I feel like they are grounded in this tremendous sense of a desire for this person's well-being. Mm -hmm. Also for a real sense for my own well-being in a new kind of way, which includes like being willing to be messy in front of him, which was a super edgy thing for me, right? Because going back to perfection and I have to present myself a Mm -hmm. certain way in order Mm -hmm. for him to care about me. And Mm. what I learned actually is that when I am like a sobbing mess because my insecurity is flared up because I've got an emotional hurt that is like playing itself out. That's when he's told me, he's like, I'm here for all of you, not just Kim happy together on top of the world. Like I am, I am your rock. I am here for you no matter how you are. And for me to hear that and really feel it, it's like, oh, this is valuable. This is special. This is, this is an incredible relationship. This is new. I hadn't let myself be in that before. 
So yeah, I wouldn't say yeah. compromise is the useful word for me. It's more just about like, what are you deciding and why? I mm. feel like I'm legit tearing up a little. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still like ruminating on this entire <laughs> relationship that's just so opposite of what I would normally think of a relationship. One of the examples is when you said he gently and lovingly said no to spending the holidays with you and your family. To me, I was like, oh, my gosh, my reaction would be it would mean a lot to me if you spent the holidays with my family and I. I guess what is the extent of you putting a stake in the ground and saying this is who I am and this is what I enjoy <laughs> spending my time doing? And then at what point do you say this would mean a lot to my partner? So therefore, I will forego mm. some of my own feelings Stuff. and. Yeah. Yeah, my own boundaries for this. I think it's about honesty and willingness to feel the feelings that come with that honesty. Rather than I think sometimes we think stake in the ground as like, this is the signal that I'm about to go to battle with you. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And it starts to feel combative and it starts to feel like we're not on the same team. Yeah. Rather than saying, wow, like it would really mean a lot to me if you came and I will be sad if you don't. And that can be okay, <laughs> but like being honest oh, with what you're feeling, you <laughs> right? Yeah, because like you want to be honest with what you're feeling and kind of what's at stake while also holding the other person with the sense of regard of if they're saying no, it's for a good reason. And I really have a lot of respect for that. Like I have so much respect for my partner's energy levels. I think we all as humans have a different kind of tank for socializing. If he doesn't have energy in the tank, I don't want him to extend himself into deficit. And what I love is that he mm-hmm. won't. He won't yeah. mm-hmm. do that to himself. He knows himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my work is to trust him and also to love the mm-hmm. way that we navigate and negotiate those things. I hate like the word relationships are negotiations. Like I don't love that phrase because it does make it feel like this battle. And I think like what I love about what you're saying, it's like this, we're in it together. We're trying to figure out honor our own selves. Like, has there ever been a time, I know you mentioned the concert example, but like, has there been a time that you were the one that said, okay, like I don't have anything in my tank. I really don't want to do this. Like, and that he was kind of like let down or was he just cool with it? That's such a good question. You would have to ask him. I don't know if there's been a time when he felt let down about where I was at with his request. There totally could be. But nothing that like came up between the two of you, obviously, or you would know. Yeah. What I'm gathering from your whole relationship, it's very much in the present, which I think is a beautiful thing. Do you ever think about like where this is going? Like, do you have ideas of how it could evolve and grow? Or is that really something that you two do not discuss or think about? I don't know how other couples talk about it. What I can share with you is that So number one, because I know that I am not having children, that's not ever a thing that was a high priority for me. I used to feel weird about that because I would have friends that would tell me that they felt called to be a parent. Mm -hmm. They felt called to be a mom. They felt called to be a dad. Like for them, being a parent 
was something that they just knew for themselves that they wanted. That has never really been true for me. I've come to understand and really just be clear that's not a goal of mine. So I think that if children are a part of the path that you want, I think that changes the conversations that you have. Definitely. Because there is a timeliness around that and there are other considerations in terms of where's everybody at with that. So I think the absence of children has been a huge part in what makes it possible for us to have this kind of relationship because it really is just about us. So we talk about future, but I don't think we talk about it. I've never read a magazine (laughs) that described how to talk to your partner about the future in the way that like, I think that we do it. I think he and I do it differently. Without milestones. Without milestones. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Is there an example you could share just to give people kind of an illustration of what Yeah. Well, I mean, just in the sense of it's not like, well, if we're going to have kids, we should do it by, you know, this time, or we should have these things in place, or we should live together to do this, or we should get married in order to like do that. We don't have conversations that are driven in those directions because that's not how we're thinking. And it's interesting too, like I've thought with respect to marriage. I'm like, is that even a thing that I want? I'm not sure that I do. You know, Mm. I don't know what that would mean for me. I think it's really interesting that marriage is such kind of a milestone that's often presented as like, clearly you must want to do this. Right. 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 It's a default. Yeah. It's a default. It's like, well, I think of it as the template. Like we're handed a template of like, this is how to do your life and you can follow it. You can adjust it. You can chuck it out the window. You get to do it how you want. You know, I think it's so interesting because there's so much kind of thought around marriage as this very emotional piece, but there are all these other things that actually (laughs) entails that, you know, in terms of like melding a household, in terms of the finances, mm-hmm. in terms of what does it mean, you know, for your the structure of your life. So in any case, for me, that hasn't been a thing that I'm like, I have to do that. I think it was when I was in mm-hmm. my 20s, because I just assumed like, that's what you do, right? Yeah. You go to college, you meet somebody, you get married, like people do that. I think that's like what you're mm-hmm. supposed to do. But I'm in a place in my life now where my commitment is to having a really satisfying, highly functional, very healthy, deeply enjoyable, deeply loving relationship. That's what we're creating. Whether the container of that takes the Mm. shape of marriage or not, that is not the most important thing for me at the moment. Mm -hmm. And maybe that will change Um, one day. I don't know. Right. But it's not what shapes our conversations. This conversation has been so incredible. I have so many (laughs) takeaways from it. Mm -hmm. I think first and foremost, like you define, like just design your own love life, like do what works for you. Yes. Create the love life. Like I think we often think we have to follow this path. We have to fit the molds. But ultimately, if the point of a relationship is to further your happiness, you need to decide what that looks like for you and your partner. And what I love here too is is how much love there is between you in the sense of so many times, like especially, I mean, I'm guilty of this for sure. It's like when you're kind of trying to get to that next milestone, it's always like, what am I going to get from this person? Mm -hmm. Where all you do is give. Like, I love just the reframes that you had of even if it wasn't what you were hoping to get out of it, you looked at it like, I'm giving this person what they need, right? Like this is the space. And that is ultimately true love and acceptance of another person. So I think so much we follow this mold uh, that society has put out there of what a relationship could look like. And what I love about this conversation, it's a reminder that what a relationship is at the core. Mm -hmm. And I think the other big takeaway I have is 
of course we want this stuff to last forever, but none of us can control that. We can't. And the fact, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> well cuz we we can't control how much forever we get, yeah. right? Like right. we never right. know how much life we get, and we right. can't control sort of what the relationship will do. And the other thing too, you want to be in a relationship, this is my philosophy, where it feels really good to give to somebody. Mm-hmm. And where they feel really good giving to you. Yep. Yeah. He gives so much to me. It's took me a while to get used to that, but it's awesome. Yeah. And I mm. think that's another big takeaway too. It's like just because things don't look the way you thought mm-hmm. doesn't mean that someone's intention is in a certain way. I think the texting example is a perfect one. Like black and white, you would say, okay, this person did text back in three days, done. Like they don't care about me. That's like how people read into texting this day and age. But you could see from all his other actions that that was not the case. So we do really have to trust in our own intuition about the situation, looking at the holistic experience and asking the questions. That's such a good part of instead of making these assumptions, ask and look at it as an opportunity to connect more, not an opportunity to connect less. I love that. We love doing these sort of interviews because it gives people just such a different perspective on the image of a relationship that people have grown up with. And so many of our listeners are like, how are other people doing it? How are they making it work? And what you're basically saying is like, this is what works for us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. It may not work for you, but we made it work for us and we negotiated our way around this structure of a relationship that really works and it works so well that you're calling it a game-changing relationship that's the best of your life. You know, that's huge that we have the power to create something that maybe we've never even seen before. The other takeaway I have from this conversation is sometimes we talk about why I bring up compromise is because compromise does have a little bit of like a tit for tat mentality. It's like you're giving from one cup and it's like, if I if I give you a little bit, I hope that you can give me a little bit back. That's how a compromise works. But what you're saying is instead of thinking compromising, which is like sacrifice sacrificing some of you is that when you put your boundaries out, when you say the no, it's in the spirit of giving to your partner. So when I say no, we're not going to hang out on this hike. What your partner is saying is, I won't be able to give my all to you on this hike. And that's why I'm putting up this boundary. It's not a selfish, like, I can't sacrifice myself for something I don't want to do. It's like, I can't give my all to you. It can even be selfish. It's fine. They're actually like selfish is fine because what you're giving is Mm. you're giving a loving and gentle and honest no. Right. You're giving the intention of I hope you have so much fun doing that thing you love that I don't really enjoy, but I want you to enjoy it. And I love that for you. Mm -hmm. And let's connect afterwards. So there's the connection. The presence is still there. I think the thing we don't learn about no and about boundaries, we usually use them to break rapport or to create distance or a barrier. But you can use a no and use a boundary to create more safety more trust, more connection. You can use it as a vehicle for love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think what I'm gathering too, it's like, you know, relationships are one source of happiness, but there's a lot of other things that fill your cup in life. Yeah. And what you are able to do is not feel obligated to do every last thing with your partner. Therefore, you can't don't have time to do other things that fill your cup. It's easy to just go along with what the other person wants to do all the time. I think sometimes I can be guilty of that. But what I love about what you're saying is it gives you an opportunity to reconnect. You get 
to hear about their time hiking. You get to hear about that concert. Right. And you're giving to your partner in a different way than physically being there. It's not the only way to do it as long as you're still showing up for one another. There's so many ways. You're not dependent on each other for happiness. I mean, that's really what it is. And that's what you were saying. Like, even if this relationship doesn't exist tomorrow, you've created a new standard for relationships and you've also evolved as a person that nothing's lost, you know, and it's it's not as devastating as it would be if you just molded yourself for someone. Well, and what's so weird, my life is definitely like measurably better yeah because of Mm -hmm. this relationship yeah and he's told me the same he's like my life is better because of our relationship Mm -hmm. so it's so it's kind of this weird mind twist where it's like oh we have commitment security but space where we've got Mm -hmm. boundaries we say no we're selfish in ways that actually make things better that's so weird i didn't think it would work that way (laughs) and we are creating a relationship that works beautifully that up levels both of us, that continues mm-hmm. to be dynamic and interesting and loving and connective and satisfying. And it doesn't work the way I thought it would work. It works way better. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think that's the biggest takeaway. It's like this, you know, this whole podcast, that's been kind of a message too. It's like, if you want to just be in a relationship, like you could probably be in one tomorrow, any relationship. Yeah. <laughs> but most people like don't want just any relationship. Like we've seen the fallout of divorce. We've seen people enter relationships for not necessarily love and the real reasons that drive this bettering of our lives that you're explaining in this episode. But I think it's like, how do we build what works for us? And yeah, I'm just so glad that we were able to unpack this with you because it was such a fresh perspective and a reminder of what's the core of a relationship. Well, it's been such a treat to talk with you about it. I really have enjoyed the conversation. I will have to re-listen <laughs> quite a few times. Yes. I need to like unlearn and then relearn and rewire and hopefully just learning something new. It's great. You're setting a standard for relationships. That's not about people always say like my standards are high or I'm not going to settle. They're talking about different set of standards. The standard yep. here is you want to be with someone who's willing to put in the effort to create a relationship that works with you. Yeah. That's a standard. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And if we can just go by that, that's our gauge for whether someone's the right partner for us. That is so true. And as you're talking, I just got a text from my partner asking me, what do I want him to cook me for dinner tonight? He gave me three options. (laughs) Oh. So like putting in effort (laughs) to create a great relationship. Yeah, that's... That's yeah. it. <laughs> well, Kim, where can people find you? Because you also have a podcast and you also do coaching. Yes. That's help, part of what got you to this enlightened state, I'm sure. So <laughs> where can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you? So my podcast is called The New Manager Podcast, and I talk about how to be a human at work with other humans. And if you want to know about coaching, you can go to my website. It's kimnickel.com, K-I-M-N-I-C-O-L, and you can learn about that. Fabulous. Thank you so much for chatting with us. We feel so honored. (laughs) Thank you for having me. And thank you to all the listeners. And I'm just happy to be here with you all. 
We're honored to have you on our show. For all of our listeners, I'm sure you all want to replay this over and over again, like I do. I, you know, <laughs> like there are certain sections I'm like, rewind, rewind. What was that again? <laughs> Let me just think about that again. As you're rewinding through this episode, maybe just go on Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review. <laughs> Since you're already there, might as well just tap five stars, write a little something nice. We really appreciate that because it helps us create a relationship that we want to build with you. We're committed, not attached, but we're... <laughs> right. Well, we might be a little attached. We are That's true. Attached, we're attached as well. We're attached. We're trying. But in a healthy way, okay? <laughs> we're healthy in our attachment. But yes, but we are committed to you. We are committed to bring you such great content and great guests like him. So on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode. Stay, Stay Dateable! The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. Tag us in any post with the hashtag Stay Dateable and trust us, we look at all of those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. 